one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist Lester Roloff on the Family Altar program. Glory for all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. Turn in your Bible to that wonderful book of Hebrews, the ninth chapter. And tonight I believe the Lord has chosen the most serious and the most sacred theme and the most necessary theme of the Bible for the subject and for our discussion and for the sermon. If you were to take lightly this message or ignore the truth that's in this message, you have sealed your doom forever. There will not be one person in heaven, not even one, that did not go because of this truth that I'm going to preach tonight. There is no way, there is no way for anybody to go to heaven except through this one great truth. No wonder the devil hates it. I mean, this is the one truth that could paralyze hell and lock the door forever. And this is the one truth that would never close heaven's gate to one soul. I believe the most shattering the most tragic, the most disappointing thing for me to think about tonight is that just one soul would miss heaven. Most folk have never really known the truth of this great uh, Bible doctrine that I'm going to preach tonight. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, verse 20, this is the blood. This is the blood. To me, there are two great texts, and this goes with it. One of them is, this is the book. Another, this is the way. And then this is the blood. This is, didn't say this is a blood, this is the blood. This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Now verse 22 the latter part of the verse, without shedding of blood is no remission. Now, this message is not for anybody in the building except the people who needs remission. If there's anybody here that hasn't sinned, never guilty of sin, never done any wrong, never been guilty before God in birth or practice of sin, then this message may not have much to do with you and you may not be too interested. But the next thing I want to say, I've never met a man personally with what needed this message right here. Now, I know a man, I know a man that did not need this message, but he was the one that gave it, and that's Jesus. Now, I made a statement a while ago, and I think there could have been some eyebrows that raised, and I want to explain what I mean. 
I said there'll not be anybody go to heaven except through the blood. And you raised the question, or could, what about the little baby that dies? Where is it going? Uh, one of the most drastic statements that I've ever heard made by a preacher was that the floor, this is what he said, the floor of heaven is crawling with babies. Now that I don't believe. But I've got something else for you. And this will be good news for the baby if he's bold enough to understand it. If that little baby dies and goes to heaven, he'll have to go because of what Jesus did for him. He may not be old enough to understand it, but God's got a way of taking care of him till his little mind gets to where he can confess his sin and trust in Jesus. That's one of the reasons I've never been caught baptizing babies and trying to christen babies because you can't christen a baby. If I know what that word means, it's spelled C-H-R-I-S. Now, if this has to do with your religion, just forget your religion and come on to Christ here. And don't make me know whether you're Baptist or Methodist or Catholic or who you are. I mean, I'm, I'm just for you and your children. I want them all to be there when they get there or coming shortly there. And so I, I just want to be honest with the souls that have come here tonight because you've exercised confidence in me by your coming. Therefore, I ought to tell you the truth while you're here. The word C-H-R-I-S-T spells Christ. The little word E-N that goes with it means Christ in, or christen, or Christen. Brother, you can't put Christ in a little sinful baby that's not old enough to confess his own sin and know that he needs Christ. And so I've never wasted any of my time or even the baby's time but trying to christen. And I'm not being ugly at all. I'm just simply telling the truth. The Bible said suffer little children to come. That means permit them to come. Permit little children to come and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. He said, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. He didn't say babyhood. Baby doesn't remember anything. They may act like the devil, but they can't do anything about it. And you'd have to agree with me, because the Bible said, behold, I was shaping in iniquity and in sin that my mother conceived me, so the baby was born in sin. But there is a period of time, according, I believe, to the teaching of God and the grace of God and the love of God, that'll take care of a little infant. Never had a chance to say, I know I've sinned and I want to be saved. Now then, you'd raise another question. And it's just as easy to answer as that. What about the man or the boy that has come up as an inebriate? He never has had the right exercise of his mind. Now, let me say, first of all, it doesn't take much sense to get saved. I mean, I've seen them. Uh, I don't know where you were with us in the meeting at, uh, in, down in Louisiana. Remember the little boy, the little Williams boy? You remember he wore the little rag around here because of his saliva? And that's one of the sweetest experiences we've ever had. And his daddy, he and his son, they were, they were inseparable. The daddy ran a store, but the little boy helped him run it. And I tell you, everywhere that daddy run, that little old boy would go with him. And I tell you, that daddy got so burdened during that meeting. And he, he got so burdened, he came to me and he said, Brother Olaf, I've just got to have the assurance that if my boy dies, he's saved. I just couldn't think about that little fella. Uh, now, if he doesn't know enough to be saved, that's all right. 
I mean, I know God will take you, but if that little boy has heard enough of the gospel and he's seen me pray enough and heard the word of God enough, and if he's reached the age of accountability and, 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 and we haven't helped him on to Christ, I tell you, I could never enjoy him. And um, I said, well, we pray about it, and we'll trust the Lord. Just speak to him, little boy, sitting out on the second row every time. And uh, one service is a blessed hour. There he came. There he came. And he pointed in his heart and pointed up. And uh, he, I'm telling you, and that daddy was one more happy soul. Now, that little boy, he'd never been off to college. In fact, he'd never been to school. But I tell you what. He heard the gospel preached and had a longing in his heart for Jesus. And that's not the end of the trail. Listen, that little boy went all over West Louisiana. I mean, all over that town. And he'd walk up to an old hard center, and he'd point at his heart and point up and point at his heart and point up. Brother, he was stirring them around. I mean, they walk in that store, and I'll guarantee you, brother, he started telling them where he'd sent his heart. See? What I'm saying is this. It doesn't take very much intelligence to become a Christian. And far as I'm concerned, it, you don't have to be too smart to go to hell. I mean, just look like most people are going, intelligent folks and all. I got a letter from Henderson, Texas, a precious letter. And the mother was writing for her boy. And this is what she said. She said, Brother Olaf. Uh, he said, he was, he was dictating, she was his secretary. Said, Dear Brother Olaf, I'm mentally retarded and I can't go to school. But he said, I'm not so mentally retarded I can't trust Jesus and be saved, that I'm a Christian. And dear friend, it's not hard for me at all to say, Lord, I'd a lot rather be in that little boy's shoes than to be sitting in the college professor's big chair at the University of Colorado without Jesus Christ. And if you don't agree with me, I trust you'll get saved tonight. I really do. Can you imagine a person living and dying and going to an eternity without Christ and without God? Now, I've said all that to say this. There's only one way to get there. There's only one way, and that's through the blood. And he said, without the shedding of blood, you're without. And that's it. Without the shedding of blood, there's no way to get in. Now, Leviticus 17 and 11. And you know, there's one thing that I never preach on, never, to our radio friends or Revival audience that I ever apologize for preaching on again, and that's the blood. But nothing's a new birth. And there's one thing that I never get tired of preaching, and that's the blood, because that's where the life is. Now, it's in Leviticus 17, verse 11. The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for the soul. For it is the blood that makes the atonement for the soul. Now, I referred briefly to the fact that when Moses came out of the mount, and if you look in Deuteronomy 10.10, 10, you'll find where he said, I stayed in the mount. I stayed in the mount. Uh, Deuteronomy 10.10 10 and John 10.10 10 are precious twin scriptures. Now, he said, I stayed in the mount, and when he came out, he had life and had it more, abund had it more abundantly. And that's what Jesus said in John 10.10. 10. He said, I am come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. That's the reason we have no excuse and no reason not to live better than anybody else in the community if they don't know Christ, because we'd have the abundant life. And so Moses came out of the mouth with everything that man's looking for right now. 
You just forget about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts, and um, the letters to the churches in the great revelation, John. But the people of this generation do not have as much spiritual light as Moses had when he quit thundering and he walked out of the mountain. I mean, when, when the lightning quit flashing and when the smoke quit boiling and when Moses stepped out of the mount, he had under his arm the tables of stone of the Pentateuch, five books, that's all. Genesis, Exodus, and as far as I'm concerned, regardless of what the uh, smart aleck professors say, I believe they had the whole book of Genesis. From Genesis 1, I don't believe he started 13, 11 either. I believe he wrote every bit of it. In the beginning, and you have to have that, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, and I like God's beginning a lot better than to do man's. And so he came out and he had five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's all he had. You put one thing down, he had every bit of information that you and I need to live by. He had all about farming, told him when they let the land rest. He had the soil conservation program. He had the soil preservation program. He had blood redemption, not under his arm and in his heart. He told us, and, and, and he brought the manual, he, had, he brought God's manual for the body. You know, I told you, you get a plane or a new car, they got a manual to go with it. Brother, you better stick with it. You better watch it. Because they'll tell you in, in a second, if something goes wrong with that engine, they said, did you put what the manual said put in it? And if you didn't, the guarantee's no good. Now, when God made man, he made a manual to go with him. And here it is. Then you wonder why people are sick and crazy? Huh? Dilapidated and degraded and depraved. And in the final stages of decay, they threw away the manual. They put, they've been putting junk in the body and filth in the mind and uh, nothing in the soul, and God's guarantee is off. God's not going to be responsible for a bunch of ignoramuses like that, a bunch of rebels. People run around and say, I don't know why I don't feel well. I don't know why I'm so sick. Well, go to your manual. I mean, listen, brother, if man's got sense enough to write a manual on how to take care of a piece of steel that weighs 4,000 pounds, praise God, he's got enough sense to give me a manual to take care of my 147 pounds. Now, why don't we believe that? And why don't we do something about it? He came out of the mount with the ceremonial law. And brother, that was a precious law for those people in the Old Testament. And I'll tell you one thing, when Adam got in sin and made that little, those little fig leaf aprons about what people are wearing now, and if you think man's made all that much progress, you watch him. He's going to be wearing when this thing's over by what he wears when he started out, what he had when he started out. That's aprons. He didn't have any trousers and shirt and women. The woman didn't have a nice, beautiful dress. And I'll tell you something else. When Moses came out of the mouth, he told the men what to wear and how to cut the hair. And he told the women to stay out of men's clothes. Well, that's what God told Moses. That's God telling us. And you women, just go ahead and wear a dress. That's what you're supposed to wear. And plenty of it. And you can call that cheap preaching if you want to. But brother, if it involves people falling in sin and running their life and selling their character and going to hell, it is important. So it's a shame for a man to have long hair. 
Instead of woman's hairs are glory, and they're running out of glory. I didn't make that up. I just said he brought down the mountain with him. And something else. He told us what to eat and what not to eat. So this is plain. He put it down right in black and white. I can read it. There it is. He said, this is your not to eat. That's unclean. That's unclean. And I'll guarantee you, you can read that and preach that now. You'd say, Brother Wolf, you don't, you don't think that that applies today. No, sir, I don't think. I know it applies today. Yeah. Brother, when God writes something, he puts it down. And far as I'm concerned, it's permanent. And until the body changes, and it hasn't, and until the unclean animals change in the heaven, brother, it still holds. And don't you run out telling some stories tonight that Brother Olaf said, if you eat something, you'd uh, go to hell. No, sir. No, sir. I believe in salvation by grace through faith. And I do not believe in disciplinary or dietary salvation. Not one lick in the road. Nobody could believe in salvation by grace the way I believe in it and feel that it has anything to do with the salvation of your soul. Brother, I'll tell you there's one thing that'll save your soul, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. By grace through faith plus nothing. But wait a minute. I'm not through then. We have no right to stop there. I believe when a man gets saved by the grace of God, he immediately becomes what? A disciple. And the disciple is a disciplined person. And we're running out of discipline. First Sunday school superintendent I ever had, I guess. He used the word often. He looked over his glasses like I can see him now. He said, what we need is discipline. Well, we need, we need it all right. But dear friend, the reason we've lost our discipline in our families, we've refused to exercise discipline toward God. Discipline demands obedience to the higher powers, and that's the Lord. And so he gave us the ceremonial law. Now let me stop there long enough to say that's the only law that's been done away with. I mean, he, we don't have the ceremonial law anymore. Praise God. We don't have to go out and get a little lamb and kill him and bring the blood. And the pastor doesn't have to come with his hands bloody on Sunday morning and say, you folks stand back and watch and be quiet and still. And we're killing the lamb and the blood. Dear friend, Jesus is God's lamb. We just appropriate that by faith now. Just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And i tell you something else. We don't even have to have a bleeding crucifix hanging on the wall. No. We don't have to see a dead Christ somewhere. Just by faith we believe. But wait a minute, there are two other laws that we need to look at. Just a second. Number one, the, the, the next law is the moral law. There was a moral law. And he told us, he told them what to do. In fact, his people were killed for violating it. There's a moral law. I mean, now they, they you can call it a, a Puritanism, but dear friends, I believe Puritanism is better than the impuritanism. And so the moral law still holds today. And we ought to be clean and we ought to be pure. And if there's uncleanness, we ought to confess it and ask God to forgive us and weep over it. David did. The next law, and I'm not going to deal, deal with it, I'm just going to mention it, the dietary law. He gave it to us. Moses had all that when he came out. Had every bit of it. And it's all still written down, just like it was when he got it. As far as I'm concerned, just like it was when he got it. And if you and I would go back and just pick it up, and, and we just dovetail the Old and the New Testaments, I'll tell you, it'd make a difference in our life. But the one thing I want you to see, what took the place of the ceremonial law? It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Go back to where sin started, and you'll find Adam and Eve, as they made their aprons, their fig leaf aprons, and then 
God came. The Word of God came. You know what straightened them out on their uh, fig leaf religion? You know what straightened the Word of God? You know what changed their clothes? The Word of God. You know what convicted them of their fig leaf religion? The Word of God. Do you know what will straighten people out today? The Word of God. And the Bible says the Word of God came a-walking in the cool of the day. Then what happened? Adam and Eve felt guilty and began to hide. And then God took an innocent animal, and the animals were slain, and the hide was taken, and to cover their nakedness. That's blood religion. Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff. You may listen to the preaching and the special music of the Family Altar Program 24 hours a day when you visit our ministry website, roloff.org. We love hearing from our listeners. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please write to us at Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. Again, that's Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. This broadcast is made possible by the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. Thank you for partnering with us, and remember that Christ is the answer.